0: It was pointed out that by natural there might here be meant either normal or necessary, and that neither the normal nor the necessary could be seriously supposed to be either always good or the only good things. Quote from GE Moore in Principia Ethica.
1: Hmm. Well that's abbe normal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> weird little weird, Sorry. right? Some rain. Cox. For many of us today, mm-hmm. The COVID pandemic has sort of been a turning point in our view of the world. Yes. So we all we all think uh, you know I think we all foresaw a future that would be drastically different than the one we've faced due to the pandemic. Yes. And the world sort of has changed due to the pandemic in a way I think similar to the way things changed after 9/11. And at the heart of that change is a is a actually a really important and interesting question of ethics. Mm. And it's one we sort of sidestep, but one which I think is really impossible to get around. And it's a question that leads to a trap. Oh, <laughs> and a trap that humans have fallen into for generations.
1: Is the and trap it's, filled with pillows?
0: It's not, unfortunately not, not filled with pillows. And it's a trap that we've actually we mention it all the time on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be something that it's a, it's a fallacy mm-hmm. or kind of not really a fallacy necessarily. It's a philosophical kind of issue or conundrum mm. that is known as Hume's guillotine or the wow. is-ought problem. Oh. And the is-ought problem has a related trap that's called the naturalist fallacy. Oh. And it's what we're going to talk about today on our episode. And it's going to really, as we go through the season... Listen back to this episode because we're going to come back to this fallacy again and again.
1: Oh, spoiler alert!
0: Spoiler alert. All right, Jake, roll the tape. <laughs> First off, Marie, we're back with season six.
1: Holy smokes! Holy season smokes! Six. It's crazy. Holy smokes, that is, that's like how many, how many years has that been?
0: That's like six years. (laughs) It's
1: crazy. crazy. I guess that makes sense.
0: Yeah. That adds up. It's pretty intense. That adds up. Our math is right. We, this season, listeners. I'd like to say
1: we've learned something. Oh, we've definitely learned something. I'd like to say we've gotten wiser.
0: Oh, no, we've gotten better at podcasts. We've gotten wiser, gotten, gotten more better at putting together stories and things. Listeners, this season, we are super excited to be joining Evergreen Podcasts. Yes. And so you're going to be hearing ads and stuff on the show. You're going to be hearing us on other shows on the network and as part of kind of that collective of, of shows. And we're also going to, be, um, we're just going to be... We're just going to be kicking the crap out of, out of everything. We're just doing great. We're just, we're just firing it at all is, cylinders.
1: It is exciting that we have finally joined a collective... Because we were the ones that would we wouldn't be we wouldn't be members of any clubs that would have us. Right. And this we finally change. This is, I think, maybe a turning point. This is the six year turning point. We're, we're finally, you know, it's a good thing. We're happy to be here.
0: The natural six year turning point. All right. So today's episode, we're talking about the is odd fallacy. This one is a bit of a philo- It's It's a philosophy episode, really. But it's hmm. it has really important implications to science and the way that we interact with science. So at the core of this is a question and sort of something that philosophers saw, and I'm sure a lot of you have probably even seen in your day-to-day life. The core of the question here is just because something is a certain way, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: does that suppose that it ought to be that way? Mm. So put a little bit more complexly, just because something has always been done a certain way is traditional is thought of as being natural or moral or sensible, does it mean that it is ethically or morally justified? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's how we get to that deeper question or that deeper issue of what's called the naturalist fallacy, where people will make the jump then to say that because something is acting in the way nature designed it or it appears it's natural for it to behave, then what we're seeing must be moral, must be uh, permissible by morality right. in some way.
1: Right. Must be the, the absolute right way of us of and so, behaving.
0: And so it's a really tough question. It, like At first, when you first hear it, you're like, yeah, of course, just because something is a certain way, it doesn't mean that it's moral or that it's right that it is that way. But actually, we see that fallacy in this issue come up all the time, right? And and one of the areas mm-hmm. that we really see it a lot today is in the idea of the pandemic and COVID restrictions, right? So oh, yes. we think about, say, like this idea that, well, it's it is immoral, let's say, to. Well, let, let's start with a kind of, it's kind of a hard case, right? But let's start with one here. OK, is it moral to let a pandemic kill people? Because normally in nature, it would kill people
1: so the this is this is a naturally occurring event and instead of trying to counter it we should just let it run its course right so it's so na- so naturally right.
0: pandemics would run their course right. it would kill people
1: right and
0: that's just the way that things would be yes but we in modern society have the ability to do things like treat it with medicine or with vaccines yes. or with yes. lockdowns or whatever right mm-hmm. and so the question becomes Are those things immoral because they go against nature, Mm -hmm. or is it moral to do nothing because Mm -hmm. it's just the way Mm -hmm. that nature? You know, dude. These are the cards we've been dealt.
1: Wow. Yeah, but then if you're if you're going to go down that path, I mean, naturally we maybe wouldn't have infrastructure. I mean, naturally we wouldn't. You know, like evolution itself is its only. It's it's is another is ought though, on top of that, right? Yes. I mean, so that's another is up. but you could say, well, you know, he, yeah, I just totally put my foot in it. But <laughs> I would say that you could put that argument against pretty much anything. Like if that, you know, if, if, if your, if your cat is playing in the road and there's a car speeding towards it, then the natural thing would just, to let the car hit the cat which is a really grim example sorry but i mean you have the ability to mitigate that circumstance why wouldn't you do that that's free will yeah well so it's
0: interesting right mm-hmm. another example that another example that's maybe a little bit like the ones that we gave are a little bit further out because they involve technology and you know infrastructure and all these other things an easier one is uh we it, it's no longer necessary for humans to consume meat to get all their nutritional needs. Yes. Right? But consuming meat is natural. It's it's natural for us. It's natural for for animals. You know, we're, we're omnivores. Yes. So is eating meat, could it ever be morally justified to eat meat in a world, right? hmm And the question for some people would become, or the answer for some people would be, yeah. Okay. Of course it's natural because, or it's, of course, of course it's moral. We've been designed to eat meat. So we must eat meat. But what this is, and this is kind of the center of what David Hume, a Scottish philosopher mm-hmm. um, in his work, A Treatise of Human Nature, this is kind of at the center of what he got to, which is to say really that something can be true, but that does not imply any moral justifications. So just because Mm -hmm. something is a certain way, just because there is Mm -hmm. a is statement Mm -hmm. does not make it more, you know, you can't imply morals from facts about the world. It's not a moral
1: imperative just because it exists.
0: So this is what Hume said. So Hume said, quote, this is from a Treatise on human nature. So quote, in every system of morality, which I have hitherto met with, I have always remarked that the author proceeds or sometime in the ordinary way of reasoning and establishes the being of a God or makes observations concerning human affairs, when all of a sudden I'm surprised to find that instead of the usual copulations of propositions, is and is not, I meet with no proposition that is not connected with an ought or an ought not. This change is imperceptible, but is, however, of the last consequence, for as this ought or ought not expresses some new relation or affirmation, it's necessary that it should be observed and explained." And at the same time that a reason should be given for which seems altogether inconceivable, how this new relation can be a deduction from others, which are entirely different from it. End quote. Mm -hmm. So that's like a really complicated Mm -hmm. Scottish philosopher way of saying people start off by giving lists of things like, well, the world is a certain way. God exists and God Mm -hmm. made us to describe, you know, God, God gave us the 10 commandments. And so, because We have the Ten Commandments, we should act a certain way, or God created us to uh, survive. So it must not be right or good for us to kill other people or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So that is really what Hume is sort of arguing above. It's he's saying that you can't just get morals. You can't get an ought statement, a thing about what you should do or should not do from a description of what is or or, you know, just propositions, essentially.
1: Mm, yeah, this one's a sticky one, huh?
0: Yeah, it's a so little
1: tricky. This one's a little tricky because then, how do you discern what morality is? if, well, you, so not really, dis- if you cannot say is or ought, right, or if you it's if it's not a, a correlation,
0: it's really interesting. It's mm-hmm. in some ways it's easier to talk about places where this clearly works to break down philosophy or morals mm-hmm. than cases where it pull it builds morals up. Yeah. So if we think about like, right. like for some things, for some uh-huh. things, we think of this as, as a really outdated view of the world of morality. Right. So I know from my experience, probably one of the first examples of this that I came across was like, you're you're a kid, you're in Bible study mm-hmm. and you ask, like well, why? Why can't I steal if I'm hungry mm-hmm. and you're told, well, stealing is wrong. Right. Well, why is stealing wrong? Well, because God said so. Right. Right. That is not, you know, uh, what's that quote from um, that quote from Monty Python in the Holy Grail? Um, Wenches uh, in rivers throwing away swords isn't a, a, a good justification for a form of government. <laughs> sort of like, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, an- you know, a- ancient Jews with stone tablets is no, um, <laughs> you know, no way to set up a moral system. Um <laughs> The pro the problem though with that argument though is it it becomes mm-hmm. like a chicken and the egg scenario, right? So mm-hmm. we can ask ourselves like let's take let's take a again a more um, let's take a more solid one, right? Thou okay. shalt not kill.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So thou shalt not kill. That moral belief. Hmm. Do you think that that moral belief came about? Well, well, let's just let's let's just ask Marie. Okay.
1: Well, Where do you think first, that moral it's thou came not from? Murder, right? It's not "thou shall not kill." Is it? I mean, I was no, thought it's that thou,
0: it it's "thou shall not kill."
1: Thou shall not kill. Okay. Um, so I think it came about because, uh, well, I mean, because you are not supposed to, you know, in New Testament, you're turning the other cheek, and you're not supposed to take someone else's life.
0: Okay. O- outside right? of But okay, here's the question, right? Mm -hmm. I guess I guess this is the real the kernel of the question I'm asking. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Did the was do we just follow that moral belief because it's in the Bible or is it in the Bible because it is a moral belief that existed before it?
1: Uh, Well, it's kind of you're right. It is six of one half dozen of another because, uh, of course, it is in it is in a society's best interest to not constantly be warring, right, and killing one another. Um you have to have some form of stability, right? And if you have if if you have absolutely no temper on that, then you know, you're not going to be able to succeed. But you know, I think that it's also probably in some human nature well maybe not in human nature but well so that, that's the, you know that's that's the it's problem, hard to say, right? like you, yeah you shouldn't kill people
0: right like we just, I'm, but we just yeah. proved to ourselves that we just proved to ourselves hmm. that you can't get morals just from something being natural right or something being biologically oh. like like the, at the center of that question, right, and this is what we end up getting to. Well,
1: it's biologically natural for people to kill one another, probably because we're animals, right? Like, it's clearly because we're still doing it today. It's part of our human nature.
0: Right. So, right. right. So, yeah. So, but what you were—that's that's totally true. That's totally alert. correct. And This is one of the problems too, is that you can kind of build your own morals from basically anything in this. In this case, right? You can always just oh, say, like, "Well, it's well, well it's of course, it's natural for me here. to kill you," right? <laughs> Um, Well, but I mean,
1: isn't that, but I mean, isn't, isn't, I mean, again, like it's, it's sort of reductivist to say that, okay, but we're animals. Animals do kill one another, right? I mean, at certain, at certain points they are violent and they do kill one another. We still kill one another today. We still go to war today. We still shoot one another. I mean, how can we say that, um, that we derived any, any, um, that, that thou shall not kill was was anything that was uh, you know that that was prescribed to us but that wasn't a natural state
0: well so what what you're see it's interesting though because i can make the mm. other argument that well, you can i can make you... <laughs> you, you can chris
1: i'm all like killing people left and right over here sorry like who cares well dude. but it's not it's not like you know again it's like statistics it's like i may not be violent you may not be violent people we know may not be violent but in general if you look at stats, we are a violent nation. Sure. But we so kill one that,
0: another. but that, the stats thing, that's going from an is statement to an odd statement, right? Is By it definition.
1: Though, ought it though. Okay, sorry. Yeah, right. No, so but it is. Me, like, yeah.
0: we're going from a thing that's like, well, humans are violent, but okay. Humans being <laughs> okay. violent has nothing to do with whether or not you should be violent.
1: Right. I, I don't know if people necessarily, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean that's a good question, so I was gonna say I don't know if people have a choice I mean of course, they have a choice to be violent or not to be violent, but well, I that's at the don't core know. of
0: that's at the core of ethics, right like you know do we have that choice but that's see that's is the other that thing, something though, we have
1: control over we end up over. we
0: we also end up though with I can make the ca- i can make the case Marie that
1: mm-hmm.
0: the rule thou shalt not kill uh-huh. is actually evolutionarily preferred, right, so humans that are And in times of in times of peace, Mm -hmm. humans that are more likely to work together in a a group or in a tribe are more likely to survive. Their genes are more likely to survive as a group. And so thou shall not kill is just a natural extension of our evolutionary need to live in a group and work with one another.
1: Well, then how do you explain war from that?
0: Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes people just aren't. Sometimes people gift. are just I mean, I don't know. Butt heads But so uh, yeah, so we, no, but right? we end like, up so at the yeah. at the center here though. What we end up finding is again, we can't get unless you make the cl- you still have to at the center of it make a claim, right? Mm-hmm. In my case, what I'm claiming is the survival of the species is a good thing. Yes, and so we yes. should be acting in accordance to maximize the survival of our species, right? Yes. What you're saying, though, is that in your view here—not necessarily in your view—right, you're not going around stabbing people or whatever. But in it's your view, you're going
1: around stabbing in, in, people. In, in,
0: in your argument, it is well, the survival of the individual, or or not even well, that—it's it's just acting naturally. It's 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 almost uh, acting in accordance with animal instinct makes something good.
1: Well, you can argue, but then I mean, this is an extreme, but you can argue that. Uh, you know, by killing others, you're actually Protecting. it is Darwinism. It sure. is Darwinism, right? You are you are eliminating something that is hypothetically weaker. Right? Sure, sure.
0: So you you end up in this. You sort of end up, though, still in. You have to pick. You're still getting morality the from purge. somewhere else.
1: That's because there's a plot to the purge right here. This, this
0: is what happens, right? <laughs> and so, well, so here's the interesting thing, right? We end up with. We end up with this really weird case where mm. that's basically what happened was people read Hume and they were like, oh, crap, our morals don't make sense. And then they were like, well, what, is, you know, well, so then what is that? What is that center? What is the thing that we say we should maximize to be good? Right. Right. Because because based on what Hume is saying, you start to you, you naturally will start to ask questions like, you know, well, what, what about, let's like, say we, we want to maximize justice. Right. Well, mm-hmm. what does justice mean? Does justice exist? Mm-hmm. Is justice a real thing, right? Do do humans have rights? Do we have um, do we have rights to the
1: inalienable rights? Yeah, right. Or, yeah. or
0: or is there even is there ever such a thing as goodness or a moral action and badness or an immoral action? You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we end up with it's interesting. So philosophers of kind of moral philosophers have kind of come to a couple of different answers to this. I swear to God, we're going to get back to, like, should science tell us what to do, which is the title of this episode. (laughs) Um, But so, for example, like probably the first, Uh probably the most the most common one that we see today. And it's one that I think we're probably both very familiar with, frankly, is moral relativism. Yeah. And there's a bunch of different like versions of this. Right. But the basic idea behind moral relativism is that your morals are sort of relative to the time and culture in which you exist, and so it's, it's it is almost more of like an evolutionary or kind of like a social evolution viewpoint where, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the like like you are only as good as your time allows you to be. Or yeah, as I evil as your that. time allows yeah. you to be yeah. in some ways. And so and so some of the common kind of arguments you get from this is stuff like, you know, well, in, um, you know, if like beheading somebody who i don't know committed adultery yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, obviously mm -hmm. in the west we would think well that's that's probably no good right now in the west we think that's probably no good Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. but you know you can imagine that there are uh there are there were times and places in in human society where beheading someone for committing adultery was like totally normal right it was just gonna happened
1: everyone Um, would get around and cheer
0: Yeah, you know, there's there's Mm -hmm. some there's some places in America where they'll do it if you tip really well, you know? (laughs) So so the it comes down to this kind of question of, you know, well, okay, we can't have essentially in this in these systems, you don't have set morals that are always something is always right or always wrong. Agree. And that gets really squishy and hard to deal with.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> because
0: if if everything is permitted just based on the time and whatever,
1: mm-hmm. then, then how, why yeah. be good at yeah. all? Yeah, right? Exactly. Yes.
0: And so that's where you end up with things like... That's where you end up with things eventually, like, say, for example... And it's not, it's not a necessary fall into it, but, like, you also end up with moral systems like, say, nihilism.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Right? The nihilists.
0: So, so nihilism would say that um, nothing matters. There is no... You know, nihilism is not really a moral philosophy, but it's just sort mm-hmm. of a it's
1: just sort a of a absence of one. philosophy
0: just kind of sucks. Well, all, right? it's like,
1: you know, that that famous quote from the Big Lebowski, right? So, say what you will about the ethos of national socialism, dude, or say what you will about national socialism, dude. At least it was an ethos. <laughs> yeah, well, we're talking about nihilism, right?
0: I mean, yeah. sort of, right? Yeah, like, so, not nihilism. So, Lebowski. for those who don't know, like, what we're talking about, we talk about nihilism, right? Sorry. It's basically saying that, like, well, nothing matters. And so, you know, who cares? <laughs> right? right. Like, none of this matters. Nothing matters. And so, you end up with some forms of nihilism where, um, like, so, so existentialism is a the existentialist and the existential philosophy sort of comes from the push against nihilism in a way where. Mm-hmm. The existent. so again, if you think about this in context, this comes from that thought that, okay, so traditional moral systems don't seem to hold up under scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And for the existentialists and for the kind of time period that they were living in, that was because the horrors of war, of World War One and uh, sort of, you know, the f- falling away of religion and religious order and everything else mm-hmm. made a lot of people... Believe there was no God. And so how do you act morally in a world without a God, right? Like why act morally if there's no one watching you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the existentialists would fight back and say, well, you, you act in accordance with your own values. Right. right. So you act in a way that you yourself find to be moral or you yourself find to be valuable or good. Um, but they would say no one else can decide for you what those should be. You shouldn't let other people decide for you what those what those moral views are. Right. Another another and again a, an older in some ways versions of a moral system is what's called moral idealism or moral certainty. And that form of moral system is it's the one that we're most familiar with. It is the 10 commandments one. Yeah. You know. So it's basically your morals are set in stone, sometimes, again, brought down off a hill by an ancient Jew, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Moral idealism is there are 10 rules you can never break. It doesn't matter in what context, right? You don't Mm -hmm. get to kill somebody because you're pissed off in the Taco Bell line. You know, it it just, there's always Mm -hmm. moral authority. These rules are always set in stone and you don't get to make excuses for yourself.
1: Right. It's absolute. Right, unless unless you
0: really need to take back the holy (laughs) lands, right?
1: Well, but that's what I was like. That's what I was getting to with the "thou shalt not murder" versus "thou shalt not kill."
0: Yeah, right. I think think that there has
1: been like gray area on that. Like, oh, there's
0: totally gray area in that. You kidding me? Absolutely. You
1: can't say say kill because then that takes out a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) that you might need to do. Thou shalt not murder, which is like not you know not having intent for killing. Interestingly, though, so you Mm -hmm. don't need a
0: god for these rules to make sense. Or, for not for these rules to make sense, but you don't need God. You don't need like a religious figure or some mystical, like, oh, this is what the good is to create mm-hmm. a moral system that is ideal or kind of certain in this way um, around other things that you maximize as the good. So, a real famous example of this is Immanuel Kant.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so he created what's known as the categorical imperative. Now, by all, by all, uh, all accounts it seems like Kant was just like a really annoying person in his real life but his his morality is based on the idea that humans are rational beings what makes us different than animals is our rationality mm-hmm. and so rationality should be the basis on which all moral judgments are made so oh, rationalism yeah. is the ultimate good for Immanuel Kant <sighs>
1: yeah so yeah 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 but then i mean again who gets to say what is rational and what isn't well so right? okay
0: this is the way that he formulates. so first off emmanuel Kant mm-hmm. gets to that's the great thing about being the guy that creates your moral imperative right yeah you get but to create so, it we're fucking great everything turns out everything emmanuel kant has been doing is totally right this whole time right, right. Um, you so don't what, like what? butter
1: on popcorn that goes against the uh, <laughs> well, that goes against that the imperative.
0: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kant. Uh, Kant created what's known as the categorical imperative mm-hmm. in a piece of philosophy that is nigh impossible to read. Um <laughs> but very important and quite interesting, actually, if you can sit down and really get through it. And but it's like you love
1: this stuff. You love this stuff. Okay,
0: but it's like if if reading a normal book is like um I mean I, I use food analogies, right? So if reading a normal book is like enjoying a pizza,
1: uh-huh,
0: right? Reading Reading Kant is like entering a pizza eating contest where you're never allowed to stop. <laughs> like, if you're going to, you know, oh. you either get to eat 50 pizzas or no pizza. That's all you get. It's crazy. So the categorical imperative, though, is broken up into basically three formulations. I'm going to read them, okay. Marie. I'm
1: ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to be rational we're gonna about this. And going to try to this. figure out what
0: the hell they mean. All and right. then we're going to get to the topic of the episode, I swear to God. Although this is really the topic of the episode. All right, so okay. the first formulation is mm-hmm. act only in accordance to the maxim whereby you can at the same time will that it should become a universal law.
1: Mm. Well, All right. Let's sort of button a little up against uh, Nietzsche. Just to, just to scotchen up to so, Nietzsche a bit. So
0: Nietzsche mm-hmm. uh, really was again so the the way that these moral philosophers kind of developed Mm -hmm. was it was David Hume then Immanuel Kant then Hegel then Mm -hmm. everyone else and everyone else is either responding to or agreeing with the previous three guys
1: yeah you know okay so and
0: actually this doesn't it does not really fit with Nietzsche so here's okay Here's what Kant is saying there. We're going to translate a little bit, right? You don't think it, I think it, it's starting it, to. A little bit. A little it bit. Has what, to,
1: it, it, it's the bigger. It, you are. You are. You, well, OK, go ahead.
0: OK, so what Kant is really saying here is mm-hmm. you should only act in a way mm-hmm. where if everybody else did it, if it was required that everybody else act in the same way, mm-hmm. it could still it would make sense still.
1: Yeah, so basically, I mean, doesn't that just nix it right there? I mean, doesn't that, I I would, doesn't his argument just stop? Because there is just no way that anything is going to be able to achieve that,
0: right? No, 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 not, no, not always. See, that's the thing, right? So let's take the example of, um, let's take the example of war, right? Mm -hmm. So -hmm. what he's saying is, if you're trying to decide whether or not it's moral to kill somebody in war, Mm -hmm. what Kant is saying is, okay, well, imagine everyone else in the world was not allowed to kill people. Right. Would that be, would that make sense? Yes. And you're saying. So it it passes the first formulation.
1: Okay, keep going. Right? Mm. But you're saying you could. Nietzsche, on the other hand, would Mm -hmm. say,
0: if you are, if you're okay with killing people. Well. I mean, that's not exactly what Nietzsche would say, but essentially like. Nietzsche would say that there are there are people who exist sort of outside the bounds of morality who won't care. Um, but you yourself should make the decision for yourself. Right. But OK.
1: Yes, but you're also tied into a bigger he, he I think Nietzsche eventually argued that you are tied into a bigger. percent. Oh, greater 100%, sense. Right. percent,
0: Yeah, no, yeah, okay. absolutely. We we could do a whole series on Nietzsche and, until he goes crazy.
1: Um until he gets syphilis and then. I saw a really, really I saw a really funny thing
0: that was like huh. imagine being Friedrich Nietzsche, you spend your entire life literally making yourself go insane trying to refute nihilism, only for edgelord teenagers to use your works to justify nihilism. Like imagine how angry you would be. Um Okay.
1: I don't know. I think he might shop at Hot Hot Topic. Oh, you would totally.
0: You you know, you would be rocking like a steampunk outfit. All right. So the second. So the second formulation, right? So the first formulation Mm -hmm. is act in such a way that whatever you do could be turned into a universal law. Okay. Second formulation: Act in such a way that you treat humanity, whether in your own person or in the person of any other, never merely as a means to an end but always at the same time as an end okay what does he mean by end what does he mean by Mm -hmm. means all of that is like the Mm -hmm. kind of crap that people have written entire phds on Mm -hmm. but the basic idea here is when you're thinking about how would you treat other people always Mm -hmm. take them to also be rational beings and therefore they are also part of the same kind of Mm -hmm. system of morals that you're creating
1: yeah and subscribe no um no ulterior motive to their behavior besides rationality yeah and you don't and you don't get
0: to like you don't get to say like well i can kill one person and get what i want and so it's fine because i just killed one person who cares right right because again based on the first formulation they can always kill you back and that doesn't make sense right that's not rational so
1: That that is not okay and then the third
0: the third formulation is kind of putting it all together in a bow Right. Mm-hmm. He says, thus, the third principle, the third practical principle follows from the first two as the ultimate condition of their harmony with practical reason. The idea of the will of every rational being as a universally legislating will. Now, what the hell does he I think it's hilarious that he's like, well, yeah, then and therefore, obviously, from practical reason here, yeah. this follows. Um, imagine talking to this guy, like trying to get like a bakery order from him. Uh, <laughs> impossible, right? You just rip your own fucking head off. Um, what he's saying here is the, the, the principle here ultimately is mm-hmm. when you are deciding if something is moral or not, you mm-hmm. need to also take into account the fact that other people who are rational are also, will also be bound by that same reasoning you've made. And you have to consider what effect the rule you're imposing on them would have on you if they were to impose it on you. So in other words, you don't just get to say like, it's moral for me to kill Billy for his TV because I like TVs. And so right, if everyone kill killed their neighbor for, for a TV. big TV, it's okay. Right. 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 What he's right. saying is, well, you also have to right. think, would would it be okay then for Billy if this to happened kill me, to me for my TV? Right. right. Yes. See,
1: he's taken uh, into consideration a lot more of people's rational behavior then like i just don't think again the reason i was like this is a no-go is just people aren't going to do this
0: well the thing is that he's not the, here's the thing too right all these moral philosophers okay. you can think of them as like sitting at home with their thumbs up their butts right you none of them are saying to. that this is the way people will all of them are writing books for their other philosopher friends being like this is how people should behave but it's like no one's gonna behave like that you know what i mean I
1: like, just are you kidding me? This never, it it's never gonna happen I haven't seen it yet. Like, I would love to have rash. Like, I think some of that, like, you know, going out into the world and being like, okay, well, I'm not going to, you know, and kind of applying these things and have somebody apply them back to you is that sounds like a really great idea. But I have just not seen that happen yet.
0: No. Well, the the interesting the interesting thing is that actually um, the interesting thing here Mm -hmm. is that they're what honestly uh, what a lot of philosophers historically have kind of been more interested in is how should i act right mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of them have kind of like stolen cookies as a kid and they're like man was that evil or not i can't really tell you know <laughs> it's I mean? like, as they like, eat the
1: cookie
0: yeah and ne- never <laughs> never thinking like you know oh man you know i got i got a, i got a slave here bringing me my books is that okay you know all that- of them are like no 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 it's fine that part's okay, but... It's fine,
1: but you should question whether other you stuff. should have taken the cookie.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, everything I do is okay. Everything else other people do is all fucked up. Yeah, Everything so, that
1: has allowed me to act like this, you know, all the structures in place to make my life easier so I can read books and sit here with my thumb up my ass, I'm not going to look at. Yeah.
0: So but, it's interesting, right? Kant, mm-hmm. so Kant, So here's the thing, though. If you look at what Kant's argument here is it it kind of makes sense regardless of what the ultimate good is that you choose.
1: Right? Yes, yes. Because so you like, don't need a you don't need a a god. No. And so what
0: like an example of this cuz again it's it it's not it's this is not obvious at all. It's super duper complex and again, this is really this is really high level kind of philosophy, moral philosophy mm-hmm. thoughts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But so um Kant assumed that rationalism like being mm-hmm. rational and something making sense mm-hmm. was sort of the ultimate good and he, he expected it in the sense of like he kind of gets some biology in there too in a way or kind of the he assumes that the existence of humans is a good on its own and like life is a good on its own and all these other things mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know imagine if you made uh, imagine if you said a rationalism is what's good right chaos is an actual good in the universe
1: Mm hmm. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then
0: you end up like, you know, you just naturally end up with a Joker shirt on. You smell like the inside of a Spencer's gifts. (laughs) Right. Like, what if that happened to you?
1: So it's 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 weird because it's like he's the thing with the with the Ten Commandments and sort of you're more overt is you have something applying it to you. Right. You're going to be good because God wants you to be good. Right. But this is like you're really you're really relying on self-guidance, which, again, is sort of you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot harder to apply. I can see why, you know, the moral certainty or certitude is, is catches on easier. Well, it's, right? it's, it's yeah, easier absolutely. to listen than it is to, to gov- to self-govern.
0: Yeah. It's a lot easier to say that I'm doing this because, you know, God doesn't want me to, or because I want to go right. to heaven or whatever. Right. Then. Yeah. You know, choosing to do it because you think I'm choosing to right do it.
1: Cause thing. I want to, yeah, I believe it's the rational thing and I want to have. The same sort of rationality applied to myself. No, but yes, yeah. that's a little trickier.
0: So we get to though a really interesting thing. So these are these are mm-hmm. kind of some of the moral worlds or philosophies that are out there, right? Digging it. One though that really we we hear about all the time, and I hear it on the news all the time, and it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Is the idea that so there's a couple versions of this, right? One is that economics is a is a good so yeah. the market or oh, business yeah. the invisible, is a good right we should act in accordance to making money for you know the U.S. economy
1: right you know?
0: that's one that we hear all the time but another one we hear a lot of right now uh-huh. and it comes from the other side is the uh-huh. idea that science should tell us what to do that science is the uh-huh. arbiter of ethics and morals
1: And that's what we're going
0: to get into when we come back from the break. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.
1: I would say that uh, science and scientific thinking is at least based on some principles that have been proven through decades, centuries. Mm -hmm. and hold true and while they're not perfect they are a better principle to follow than say swallowing bleach right like that's i mean i don't think that they should be it should not be um, unquestioned or it shouldn't be allowed to change because i think that that's part of you know scientific discovery is just like it's not static it doesn't stop that's my beef with people that are like well you know Look, they they said masks, no masks, masks. You know they don't know what they're talking about. It's like no, that they are discovering things as they go with this. They don't have the full amount of information. It's never going to be completely solved. That's part of the problem. So I don't know. To me, it's like, well, yeah, it's it's it is it's better than it's better than conspiracy. It's better than the absence of 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 anything. Well. So, is it? You're all like, is it though? And I'm, well, I'm okay, going to be like, thing, oh, right? so I think, damn it. Now he's going to tell me why it's not shit. No, no, no. i will <laughs> <I'm> just teasing.
0: <laughs> well, I think the part, so part of the challenge with that, mm-hmm. or part of it, I guess the question is, so like you use the example of like drinking bleach, right? Mm-hmm. So someone, let's say, let's, let's, let's take it like a little bit. Let's, let's get out of like mm-hmm. the snark zone. Or the splash zone. Uh, um, all right, sometimes. right. And so we're gonna get,
1: it's for the easy example. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no, it's, I'm it's, it's a real, it real example. The
0: crazy fucking thing is that it's a real example, right? It's a real um, example. But let's let's take for example, like using an untreated, uh, using an untreated, an untested cure, right? Okay. Or taking a vitamin, taking something that has not been evaluated by by the scientific establishment or world, right? Right. And just taking it because you think it'll help you, right? Right that is sort of like saying that it's wrong to do that, that it's morally wrong to do that. Suggests that there is like, what is the moral good? You're what is the moral good that you are like? Like there's a difference between something being good practice and good for Mm -hmm. society. Like, like Mm -hmm. there's a difference between something being effective and something Mm -hmm. being good, you know? Yeah.
1: Like, like, like the the
0: Chinese government mm -hmm. has been extremely effective at, at at growing their country and stamping out opposition but right. that is not a good thing that they've done they have not done good things for that right well, so uh, yes i would agree with that so saying so the argument that like again um someone else choosing to take you know i think i think endangering public health by allowing um Allowing people or just letting, you know, telling people to take stuff that is that you know, won't work and will hurt them. Mm -hmm. That is a more, that's a moral question. Mm -hmm. But, but somebody choosing to do something stupid. That does, that is not effective or even harmful Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time seeing the moral line of reasoning there.
1: Well. So I would say the moral line of reasoning is if they are choosing to do that instead of do something that actually has been proven to help, right? So if I am going to go out and and do whatever kind of cure to eradicate or what I think is going to eradicate some disease in me, but meanwhile... I may still become a carrier and I may become like a vector for other people getting sick. That's the right word. I don't know if it's vector. Yeah. I think it is. You know, I mean, if I become sort of, uh, you know, a someone who is going to then spread the disease to other people, mm-hmm. then I think that that is a moral imperative because I'm so, saying, so yes. you have, you are going to physically make other people, if your action is going to, or has the potential to, uh, impact other people and the health of other people, whether you are aware of it or you 're not whether you 're there when it happens and you see the effects or you 're not that doesn 't make a difference then you 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 have a moral imperative to act in their interest and not mm-hmm. just yours no that and that
0: that i think is true right yes
1: That, yeah clearly
0: yes. if um You know, but but again, Mm -hmm. though, we get into the case then where, you know, so there was a there was a thing that came out um, today. So to get like a to get like a organ transplant, you have to have a tremendous like you have to be you have to be within a healthy weight. You have to, Mm -hmm. you know, not consume like alcohol and Mm -hmm. and tobacco and, Mm -hmm. and, you know weed and whatever and you know can't he can't even do meth anymore like what the hell is this a mini state right there's all these there's all these things you just went right back into that snark zone yeah
1: okay, there's all
0: these things it, yeah. you need to not do to get a transplant of an organ right. because they're so hard to come by right you know right and so and but there was a there was a story out of boston here where i live
1: mm-hmm. where
0: someone was denied a transplant because they refused to get vaccinated and people are kind of up in arms but again that that i think is a more a much more clear argument right that is mm-hmm. um but that's that's like pragmatic right mm-hmm. that person if if again in a vacuum not taking the vaccine harmed no one else right then there's nothing wrong with it right, right. whatever right but it does harm other people it does yep. put other people at risk and that's yes. and that's i think kind of where we end up with these um but again but the like but again, we are making moral claims because we are saying that the, the maximization of human lives, right, The the
1: uh, well, keeping people from dying is a good thing. Well, it's, right? that, it's kind of like I don't want to kill other people. My 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 uh, me deciding not to take something that could um, help eradicate that disease is saying that, you know, that I then become sort of like, again, like the vector, I could, I could get it. I could not know I have it. And I could spread it. I should be taking whatever. I should be taking whatever I can to not do that. I should be doing whatever I can not to do that, be it, be it distance myself from others, um, wear a mask when I go out, um, or take a vaccine. I should do those things because of... Uh, because, and I think that this is also where you start to get into, like, because I trust the science, because I trust what people have, um, what people have said about it that are experts. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, like, maybe it's like, well, how do I know that they're experts? How did, you know, like, are they being, you know, you have a whole bunch of people like the wackadoo who lives across the street from me, who's like, well, you know, they're in the big pocket of big pharma, and and, you know, but it's, it's... It, I just don't think that I know more than they do.
0: Yeah. It it comes down to, again, so what, again, though, what we're mm-hmm. doing here is we're taking facts, we're using right. those facts to make decisions based on our own morals. Yes. Right. But what yes. we're not doing is saying that just because the science says X, that Y must be moral, right? right. What we're saying is that, for example, um, you know, for me personally the the reason to get vaccinated is so i don't kill people that i love. Right. You know, i'm right. i'm getting vaccinated because i don't want to harm other people that i know and see every day. Right. And if you know, if if i thought that there was a uh, a good reason to suspect that getting vaccinated would harm them more than than not getting vaccinated, um or rather that not getting vaccinated would be better for the people around me than getting vaccinated. And maybe my moral, my moral thinking would be different. But again, that it right. comes down to the, kind of the facts that come into your into your world, you know. Right. The, right. It's interesting though that we see these sort of we see. Uh, I guess well, kind of what I what I'm what I have been thinking about this all throughout the break, especially during you know our season now, mm-hmm. is that the. The, the the gap, I think, between people who believe in kind of the vaccine and and lockdowns mm-hmm. and whatever, the gap mm-hmm. between those people and people who think that those things are wrong isn't really that big. You know what? Mm-hmm. what a lot of the people, if you talk to people who um, if you talk to people who are kind of against the lockdowns or whatever, a
1: mm-hmm. lot of their
0: reasoning are things like, you know, well, human like enjoyment is is something that we should also, you know, psychological pleasure or whatever, right? They, they have different moral reasons, and we can argue mm-hmm. about whether or not you think that their moral justification is stronger than yours or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you know, it it it's not the vast for the vast majority of people I've talked to, at least, the reasoning has not been, has not as often been. I guess that I don't trust the science, right? Mm-hmm. It's more. It's more been. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe this is just people that I've talked to, and I'm getting mm-hmm. a different view of it, but you know i kinda I guess I kind of wonder about so the reason we asked this question about is should science tell you what to do, you know mm-hmm. is clearly on this show we we believe in science, and you know we believe <laughs> uh we believe that we can't know everything, and so we trust experts and people who do know more about this stuff than we do, you know, yeah, but it still gets to a very interesting question about should you just follow a scientific principle because it's the truth? You know, again, it gets to, we get back to that very early one. That's kind of simple, but you know, it's a biological fact that we need um, protein to survive and you get protein most efficiently from animal meat.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So is it moral to kill animals and eat animals?
1: Well, yes, well, with the science, it's, uh, it, it, I think you're not just, you're not just like taking it like as a binary, you know, it's, it's not, it's not so binary in my, yes, you know, I it's agree. like, okay, it, it is that here's what we know now, right? I, I'm going to put out a paper, or I'm going to make a hypothesis, And I'm going to research this hypothesis and then I'm going to, I'm going to test it as many times as I can to as many different people and observe it for as long as I can. Right. And then I'm going to have other people look at it and tell me what they think and they're going to test it and they're going to put their minds to it. Right. And then it's going to get stronger from there. And then after that, I'm going to take it to, through a process, uh, of the United States government or whatever, and they're going to look at it and they're going to ask me all these questions and they're going to vet it and then they're going to test it more and then we're going to roll it out to people. So it sort of goes through this cycle of people litmus testing it and trying to punch holes in it and trying, and trying to really understand is the stance I'm taking, how strong is this stance I'm taking and what are the effects and the possible ramifications of it versus... I am going to take an action and I'm just going to do it. And if it works for me, great. If it works for me today or within this minute or within this hour, great. And that's really all I'm worried about. And that's what I'm going to advocate for everybody. Right. I feel like there's a certain amount of, again, with like the scientific, when it's done right. And that's, this is a different, you know, a different caveat, but it's like, when it's done right and it's taken into a historical context, right? Again, when they're looking at something like this and they're uh, comparing it to SARS, they're comparing it to Ebola, they're comparing it all the way back to the last, you know, the last flu epidemic, you know, they're taking these things into context and then they're putting multiple minds to it. I think that that to me is like, okay, that definitely tells me more and gives me a better shot at me surviving and me helping others to survive than not listening to it.
0: Yeah, so I think kind of what we're coming down to here, maybe, maybe I'm maybe if Marie, if I'm taking words out of context, you tell me right. But Marie wants to kill the poor.
1: I want to kill the um, poor. And no, so, no, so, it, it, but like. Give that abomecturne um, stuff. No, basically, basically what we're wrench, kind of saying here is. I want to kill the yeah. We're
0: they're basically they're saying here is if the goal is to limit the suffering or, or rather, if the yes. goal is to make sure that the least amount of people get ill and and the least amount of people die from COVID,
1: mm-hmm. then
0: it seems like the science is a pretty, the science can answer that question.
1: And I would add to that really quickly. And the least amount of stress will be put onto your your social uh, situation as well. Like, again, you are not taxing hospitals. See, you are but not, that see, but that's that gets, that gets
0: sticky, though, Marie. Right. So let's oh. say that let's say that. And again, this is this is purely a oh. thought experiment, right? Uh huh. Let's uh-huh. say that, okay, this pandemic, if you look at the stats right now, right, right
1: uh-huh.
0: the difference between America and Europe in uh-huh. terms of like per capita um, hospitalizations and cases mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. else is pretty negligible, mm-hmm. right? Um, it appears that basically, you know, uh, the only thing that works to really stamp it out is to have full on like 24 hour day lockdowns like they have in China, Right. That appears to be the only thing that works to stop it.
1: Well, I, I think I'm saying more like if, if I listen to the science and, and it, it is a better than uh, because the, result, the results are, again, not just, not just affecting those who are suffering through sickness, but you're also putting like almost like a PS, you know, a, a post-traumatic stress disorder onto, you know, the frontline workers that have to deal with this. True and listen. i Don't I'm not, have any kind of so. Ama- but ama- it, right? okay.
0: So let's let's take let's imagine though. Right. That uh-huh. what we actually find out after this one is that the most effective way to stop it quickly
1: uh-huh.
0: is to let everybody get it and just let the people who wanted to make it die. Don't send them to the hospital. Just let them die.
1: Well, okay, but then right? that that that's, so that, that that's, would be that's the, the problem. Have
0: to show us. That's the problem with. But that's the issue with taking like a moral view from just the scientific facts of like, we can end it quicker or we can end it most quickly, or we can, um, we can maximize the number of lives that are not mm-hmm. disrupted, or we can yeah. right. It's like at the end of the day, somebody has to take the science and translate into policy that is moral. Right. And that decision on what is moral has to come from somewhere else than science. I, I, at least I would argue. Right. Because the science, like, the sci- science doesn't tell you anything about morals. It's just facts about the world.
1: Yes. It but can, it can, it can help you make moral
0: decisions.
1: Yes, and I think one of the moral, again, one of the moral decisions is just, you know, and this is, again, maybe just adding to your argument against me, but is, is sort of the health and welfare of the infrastructure of support. Right. A good society has a strong infrastructure to support the sick and to, you know, promote health and wellness and to, you know, um, you know, take care of the poor. I think all of those things.
0: I think the strong I think the stronger argument there would be like you said at the beginning, like minimize suffering.
1: What is minimize? But you are. But you are minimizing suffering by not overtaxing those systems.
0: Right, That's but it would minimized. be better. That's... But it would be better for the systems to just, if you get COVID, you just get shot in the head and they throw you in a ditch. Right?
1: Then well, the yeah. system
0: isn't taxed at all.
1: But the system, but it's not just the system being taxed. It's the people. Again, it's the people who are um yes. yeah, taking like care this, of like, them. Yeah, it's the
0: overall psychic right suffering again, and like, trauma they don't want and to everything you,
1: else. They, they went into healthcare. Not because they just want to see the sick get shot in the head. <laughs> right. They went into
0: healthcare. I, I'm pretty sure to, that's in the Hippocratic Oath, Marie. Right. They pretty would to sure do no harm the Oath.
1: to do no harm. Right. So, you know, yeah. they psychologically, you know, year after year treating this, you know, I would assume that this is going to again, this is going to wear on them psychologically and it, may, it might make them care less about ending suffering. Which is a bad thing, in my opinion. Like you're yeah. make, you're building up people's calluses to human suffering, which is something you don't want. You want people to be empathetic to other people,
0: which yeah. goes against
1: my whole thing about killing and eating them. But that's okay for now. I'm willing to overlook that for now, for the <laughs> argument's sake. I will argue against
0: your whole business plan: killing right, and, and eating window. people. No more
1: killing. And I know, people. man. I had I had the menus all drawn up and everything. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, so uh, listen. Listeners, here's the thing. This is really complicated and it's really. We're living in a shitty time right now. (laughs) You know, we really are. We're living in shitty times where like moral philosophy has never been more apropos, you know, but um, but at the end of the day, Marie and I, if you listen to this show, we love you. We want you to do okay. We want you to feel good. Um, We hope that uh, you're safe and healthy. And welcome to season six, man. They're all going to be a lot lighter than this one. (laughs) But I thought, but here's, okay, here's the reason we started with this one. The Mm -hmm. reason we started with this one was because in a lot of cases of like the paranormal or the weird or Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. that appeal to tradition is Mm -hmm. super duper common. You know, Mm -hmm. the next episode Mm -hmm. we cover is on Denver International Airport. Mm
1: -hmm. And at
0: the center of that argument about like why that airport is weird is people being like, well, we used to have a perfectly fine airport. So why should we have a better new one? Right. It's like literally just like we have an airport. It is therefore the best airport. You know, we do any new airport is wrong. You know, it's like, it seems stupid, but like pe- we make that argument all the time and it's always, it's always wrong. <laughs> Anyways, dear listeners, we love you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show We actually have started up a Discord now for the show. Mm -hmm. So if you want to come and chat to Marie and I about video games or weird news or whatever, give us ideas for episodes. Just send cute cat pictures or whatever. Join up on the Discord. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, all the good places. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, please, please go and review us. We would love to get your Spotify review. And that's it. That's all I That's all I have to say. Season six, baby. Oh, my God. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host. Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram and all over the Internet as the Mad Scientist podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head. So it's easy to see. Mm -hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further to make it better and just to spend more time making it. We love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our web design is done by Desdemona Howard, Woohoo. and our sound design is done
1: by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production.
0: I love Jake. Jake's the best. Jake's He's the, the best, best ever. All right.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Coming up on 5 minute news.